William Lyne has stated in one or more of his books that for every 200 pounds of iron added to Tesla's special generator, one horsepower was increased at the output. Thomas Comer Ford Martin wrote a book in 1864, the year before Tesla's fire in 1865. He wrote the book a year after Tesla gave a demonstration in the agricultural building of the Chicago, I think it was, uh, World's Fair um, in 1893, and he gave a demonstration of his various inventions, and the last chapter of Thomas's book is devoted to his special generator, which operates at 80 cycles per second. It's a reciprocating rod in between the, the opposing feet of two horseshoe magnets, upon which is wound a humongous length of insulated cord wire uh, that's and then the um, a pair of coils one on each uh, horseshoe core and then in the gap between the opposing feet of the two horseshoes is a rod reciprocating at right angles or slicing through let's say within the plane of the two horseshoes but at right angles to um, the feet and the magnetic flux going through them, um, and though and that rod has a piston in the middle, driving it with compressed air, and it's if the way it's designed, it's similar to the reed in an oboe or clarinet, in which the air pressure can vary that you feed the thing, the air pressure, the ambient air pressure can vary. You can vary any air, uh, factor of air pressure you like, and you're still going to get 80 cycles per second. And this, he said uh, uh, in his lecture, uh, Nicola said, um, is vital that he maintains a constant um, frequency or pitch to the oscillations of that rod. Now, the rod had a pair of coils at either end that I think were self-shorted to themselves, and they were similar to the starter coils on an induction single-phase motor, AC motor. Um, uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> and William Line has stated that the length of the winding around the two horseshoes amounted to something like 50 miles in length, total length of wire used. And after the fire, he didn't want to pursue that invention ever again. It was like, you know, forget it. <laughs> uh, he went on to other things. Many of us suspect that it was arson to hide the theft of all of his inventions that he was working on in his lab at that time. The neutron bomb, Rommel, when he was looking for oil in Libya during World War II, that was just a cover for him testing out the neutron bomb, which was one of the things they stole, the Germans stole from Tesla in 1895. Uh, the other thing was the special generator. And there's another story that uh, William Line tells of a uh, Dort Jr. Um, running a, um, what do you call it, a, um, a scrapyard in New Mexico, I believe. And he got to talking with the dude, and he said the three properties, aluminum is reflective, iron is magnetic, and copper is the active. And if you translate reactive or reactance 
into Russian, sometimes you get the word active instead of reactance. <laughs> um, be that as it may, this quote of uh, ascribed to Tesla about 200 pounds of iron, it's a lie. And I won't tell you who I got it from or how I got it. <laughs> Suffice to say, it has to do with area. <clears throat> and Tesla was known to misrepresent the situation in order to hide the facts of the matter because he didn't want anybody stealing his ideas. So he openly lied. And uh, William Lyne has quoted him accurately, but it's not the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter, it's two types of areas that the, the so-called mass of iron is contributing to the circuit of his special generator. One is the surface area of the iron itself, and the other is the area that it encloses, namely the inductance that the iron uh, describes or functions as or creates by enclosing an area, because it doesn't matter. See, this is why Nathan Stubblefield never insulated his um, iron wire in his electric battery. And if you look at the picture of the Amon brothers, similarly, they don't use insulated iron wire either. They use bare iron wire on the outside of their barrel-shaped power station. So what it, what, it, what turns out to be the case is that you don't need to insulate iron uh, oops! <laughs> you don't need to insulate iron when you um, wrap it, um, because iron, when you when you perform a, a perpetual motion holder experiment and you charge up the core, the iron core, your toroidal core with uh, DC charge oriented in one, with polarity in one direction, and it's because of remanence, the charge, the, the the memory of that charge stays in there along with a certain amount of energy as well, the energy that you used to put the, the signature uh, of the orientation there in the first place, um, it creates lines of force, magnetic lines of force that go around in a circle and meet up with themselves, creating loops, closed loops. And each closed loop is a line of force. And each line of force is equivalent to an insulated copper winding. It functions the same way. And this is why you don't have to use insulated iron when you... And you can use an, an iron core of any dimension for a perpetual motion holder experiment because the intensity of the magnetic charge that, uh, due to remanence that you're, you manage to store in that core will be based on the lines of force being distinct from one another and maintaining their identity throughout their existence within the perpetual motion holder experiment for any length of time until you, you know due to uh, Newton's law uh, for every um, uh, things in motion tend to stay in motion unless acted upon by a contrary force or a new force of the same uh, orientation and that's what happens in a perpetual motion holder experiment so when you construct a circular or toroidal uh, iron object that you plan on using, describing a certain level of inductance in its uh, circularity, in the compl in completeness of its cir circular shape, toroidal shape, 
you don't have to worry about laminating plates like you have to worry about... See, the only reason why uh, motor manufacturers uh, worry about eddy currents and laminate their plates, uh, they create plates, laminate them, and stack them to create a core for the mo uh, armature of the motor, is because they don't want the motor to overheat. But we're not worrying about heat here. We're worrying about overunity. Can we get it? And not think about the heat problem. Um, <clears throat> because we got to focus, you know, and do the opposite, in this case, of what motor manufacturers do. We want to increase the likelihood that eddy currents are going to define their own pathway, and we don't want to tell them how to define it or when to change it. We want them to figure it out on their own. So we make it a solid core, very chunky, wide girth, and we give it lots of mass, but um, now we've reduced the surface area, haven't we? So if we increase the surface area, we're going to increase capacitance. We're going to increase the ability for this iron mass to store a static charge at all, let alone inside itself or outside itself, you know, we, in relationship to outside versus inside. And the area that it defines within its circularity, the center of its circularity, is going to define its inductance based on the diameter, but also based on <clears throat> the other proportional directions, uh, uh, vectors of that uh, uh, circular core, because it's going to create its own lines of force to function uh, equivalent to insulated copper windings. <clears throat> um, so, what happens here is what I suspected all along. I, I haven't seen anything to the contrary to hy hypothesize that this is how we deal with the question is there such a thing as an ideal transformer that can pass DC between the coils of a transformer? Can it be done? Can, can it actually be done in physical reality? And the answer is yes, but we have to use a, a solid iron core with a humongous inductance and a humongous surface area. These are the two requirements. So it's not the mass of the iron alone that, or that has anything to do with it, actually. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. It's the un inductivity of the cir circularity, the toroidal shape of this mass, and its surface area. If we increase the surface area, if we increase um, the inductance of this thing, then we've managed to um, increase what... Tesla was referring to when he said 200 pounds of iron. <clears throat> this is what he was actually referring to. Now, this is the way I'm going to go about my experiment, pur pursuing the iron mass in question that is attached. It ha it, I still am assuming that, or hypothesizing that, it has to be attached in two places in order to create a magnetic loop. Um, and the magnetism, because of it being retained, it will not be lost. And because it won't be lost, um, it will pass f 
between the coils. Because of that, the electrostatic charge is going to continue to build until it reaches its plateau, whatever uh, plateau the design affords. And it's that rise of voltage where you get the extra horsepower. Because in an in electric car, motors spend current, but batteries supply voltage. And the, the battery voltage gets depleted very quickly as we accelerate up a hill for any length of time, as the motors drain the voltage from the batteries. The, batteries dr- the, the battery voltage drops. But it's the current that's being spent by the motors. They're, they're hogs for current. Whether it's DC, AC, doesn't matter. They just love current. And AC is more efficient, yes, but it's the, still the problem is in order to get the torque, you've got to have the current. It's not enough to have voltage. As we all know from electrostatic motors, that's very nice, but all they can do is idle. They can't provide torque. You've got to have the current, and that's why modern-day motors run off of current and spend current like the Dickens. <laughs> And that's why the watts can get up to 100,000 watts or more in, a, in an electric car. It can, it can be, it get to be pretty heady how much current they spend in addition to their voltage that they borrow. You can't spend voltage. All you can do is borrow it. But indirectly, the voltage gets spent because it gets converted into current, which drains out the battery of its voltage, and then the voltage gets spent. And you've got to have a certain minimum voltage <laughs> or else the motor don't work. It's got to have both a certain criteria met of voltage and current in order to operate. So we got a real problem. How do we maintain the darn thing <clears throat> in a free energy situation? <clears throat> Keeping in mind this quote uh, the, of William Lyne uh, ascribed to Tesla uh, for every 200 pounds of iron, yada, yada. Well, this is my interpretation based on a hunch I got last night. I appealed to someone <laughs> for help. Uh, I prayed, basically. Uh, nobody spoke to me, but I got an inspiration at, that answered my... Um, I was actually questioning uh, something else. <laughs> I, was, I had no attention span on any inventions whatsoever or fundamental uh, functionality of electrodynamics whatsoever. I was appealing on a different topic. Um... <clears throat> but I guess because my prayer could not be answered due to circumstances uh, whatever they are it I was gifted shall we say with a, bo- a piece of knowledge and that and that it was a single word area <laughs> regarding that quote that it was uh, it's a misinterpretation or a or an uh, a lie, an outright lie by Tesla, or a misinterpretation on our part, or both, as to what is being referred to. Because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you a- ask any electrical engineer, like I've already done on Cora a long time ago, they say it makes no difference whatsoever because it has absolutely nothing to do with electrodynamic theory. And a lot is known. It's just not applied fully. That's the problem. And consequently, we get this silly notion in um, physics about certain things that are supposedly laws all the time when they're only conditional laws. I'm thinking of conservation of energy. 
may be true all the time, but who cares? If reactive power is not conserved, uh, it's a quarterback in run in which you can vary the reactive power all you like because it's a potentiality, it's not a kinetic form of energy. And conservation of energy is missing a term. Conservation of kinetic energy. That's the only thing that can be conserved is kinetic energy. But if you're dealing with potentials like frequency, you don't conserve frequency. <laughs> you, never do you conserve frequency, <laughs> let alone capacitance or inductance. So it's kind of stupid to think that reactive power is conserved along with kinetic real power. It, it's, it's entirely stupid on the part of electrical engineers to assume that, that the energy they pumped into the capacitor or into the coil is going to come out minus losses that's totally stupid because they are ignoring transients, certain types of transients who are an effect without a cause. And when you say an effect without a cause, that has a lot of implications that have nothing to do with conservation of energy. Anyway. Um, so, I think I've covered enough sidebar, but the main theme here is area. It has nothing to do with 200 pounds of iron. That's just a ruse, a red herring. It has nothing to do with the situation. It all has to do with area, both surface area and inductive enclosed area. In inductive, yeah, enclosed area. So that we're getting an electrostatic voltage buildup and we're getting retention of magnetism. That DC magnetism that makes it possible for the voltage to build up in the first place. Um, let's see. I guess that's it. I've repeated myself enough times. And now I'll post this, or <laughs> I'll add this to the post. It's going to be a very lengthy post. I don't plan on posting until I actually have a successful um, experiment. So I'll just keep adding to the post, and it's going to get ridiculously long. <laughs> I hope Cora doesn't mind. <laughs>